Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome back to the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leach, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about recurrent miscarriages. I've had a lot of emails from you asking for more information and more support to help you with with things like baby loss and recurrent miscarriages, because the one thing I'm hearing a lot from you is that there just isn't enough information out there. And I know that miscarriages... It's a very taboo subject. It's not talked about enough and I'm not one for shying away from the difficult topics. So to help me with this, I have invited Narva Carmen on and she specialises in supporting women on their fertility journey and especially with women who are experiencing recurrent miscarriages. Now she blends Western medicine with traditional Chinese medicine and it's very, well it sounds incredibly fascinating. So that is who I'm going to be talking to today. But before I go over to that chat, I do have a few things that I do want to update you on. Now if you're not in the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group, why on earth not? do come and join us. It's getting very busy in there. Lots happening. I'm doing lots of Facebook Lives. In fact, yesterday I had a Facebook Live with Susanna Grant, who was last week's guest, and we talked about her perspective on being pregnant with PTSD and birth trauma. And we, yeah, we, we just talked more about how, you know, what trauma's like during pregnancy. So um, that was really interesting. And also I'm going to be diving into the Facebook group again today to talk about fears. So there's lots happening in the Facebook group. If you've got any questions for me, that is where you need to find me. I know I've been saying to you, hey, email me. But now I want to say, no, don't email me because I literally cannot keep on top of the emails. So the best place to get answers, the best place to find me is going to be in the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group. So come on over. We have got some wonderful, wonderful mummers on their pregnancy journey. We've got some amazing birth stories being shared. Women who've overcome their fears and are sharing some wonderful inspirational birth stories. So this is where you need to be. This is where you need to be. This is where all podcast listeners need to be. Uh, so that that's what I'm going to say about that. Then also, uh, in case you didn't hear last week, I'm going to be doing a pregnancy prep challenge, a fearless birth prep challenge coming up soon. Again, all news will be in the Facebook group if you want to join us. So if you're pregnant and you want help with all the preparation, with thinking it through, thinking through your birth options, just kind of cutting through all the crap that's out there, all the information that you're being overwhelmed with, because there's just so much information. It's really hard to know where to start. So during the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge, we're going to be going through that nice and methodically because I like being organised. So I'll be taking you through, holding you by the hand, and there'll be some activities and things that you'll need to do day by day. But basically, we're going to work through it together. And if you have any questions, I'm going to be inviting some brilliant uh, birth professionals into the Facebook group for some Facebook Lives. Some past podcasting guests are going to come back, take your questions. So it's all going to be happening as part of the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge. So I'll be sharing more details in the next week or so because it's very soon. So if you're pregnant and in your first trimester or even in your second trimester, then this is most definitely for you. And 
that is all I'm going to update you on this week. Okay, so now back over to Narva. Narva works out of her London clinic. As I said, she specialises in helping women on the fertility journey. And one thing that she does a lot of is helping women with recurrent miscarriages. Now, one thing I think that you'll notice with Narva is she's very, very very specific. She loves to be driven by the, the science and the, 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 the hormones and really understanding, getting under the skin of what is happening to you. So she's definitely not part of the Wuber grade. That is for sure. She's most definitely, she, there's a handful of people that do work like Nava. So it's really interesting to listen to her explain it. And she also has offered a wonderful free download to go with the episode. So even though at times it might sound like she's saying some words that are a little bit uh, long to write down and that you don't understand like names of hormones and things like that. I certainly was struggling at points. She's come up with a brilliant download to go with the episode. So you don't even worry about making too many notes and all that kind of stuff. So you'll find out. I'll tell you more about how you can get hold of the download at the end of the episode. Anyway, enough of me wittering on. This is the time that I spoke to Narva Carmen all about how she works with women who are going through recurrent miscarriages. Well, hello, Narva, and welcome to the Fear Free Childhood podcast. G'day, Alexia. Thanks for having me. Now, today we're going to be talking about miscarriage. So, um, but actually, the, the way that you work with people is, is is so much broader than that. So, before we dive into talking about miscarriage and how women can maybe recover from miscarriage, would you mind just telling me a little bit more about who you are and how you came to do the work that you do? Yes, love to. Thank you. My name is Nava Carmen, and as you can probably tell by a bit of an accent, I'm originally Australian. But I've been here for 25 years and I've married an Englishman, so there's no going back, not for now anyway. And uh, I did my training in the UK and I trained at the time I was the youngest acupuncturist who was uh, in training and graduated. Not the case anymore, but at the time. And I've been in practice for just the 20 years. And when I first started, there was not much about fertility or obstetric acupuncture and Chinese medicine around. So I spent a lot of time studying and learning from colleagues and sadly, for my patients at the time, experimenting on them until I got good. So um, fortunately, things have changed. Um, and as time went on, uh, I decided that I was interested in getting into a particular area, but didn't have that much experience. And then I had a lady come to see me. And she had been uh, pregnant before, been told she'd never conceived naturally, and had had, I had IVF. And had very sadly lost her baby just before it was viable. And she came to see me just to really prepare for the next IVF cycle. And I didn't really think much beyond that preparation. I didn't have any aspirations, any goals beyond just helping her achieve that physical, hormonal, mental balance that she was looking for. So we worked together. She bought all her drugs. It was all set, all prepped. And then in month three of working together, she fell pregnant. And it just blew me away. I thought, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I still keep in touch with her. Her little boy now is taller than I am, which is, I always think is funny when I bump into them. And uh, I went from there on to work more and more in the area of fertility and then more and more in the area of pregnancy. And I had a lady who was, I became very close to as, as part of our treatment. Much the same story. She'd been told she'd never conceived. We worked together. She fell pregnant. And then she wanted me to be there at the birth. And I didn't really feel equipped to do that. So I trained uh, with Paramana Doula. Michelle Ardon at the time was running a course that was approved by Doula UK. And I trained as a birth doula. And so now what I do is basically work from the point of people coming to see me. Ironically now, usually now, much um, 
earlier than they used to. I used to be the last port of call and now I'm off on the first. But I work from, I've been told I'm never going to have a baby or I've been having many miscarriages, what can I do? All the way through to I'm there at the birth and here's your baby and it's an amazingly lovely complete cycle I get to share in. And over the years, I've become very interest, become very interested in autoimmunity, and I particularly that led me down the road to treating things like recurrent miscarriage and miscarriage, and that's how, of course, you and I got to talking. Mm, absolutely. So, for those women that are listening to this, thinking, you know, I've had two, three, four, five miscarriages, what would be, you know, what can you say to those people to help them try and understand what's going on for them? It's a little bit of navigation, I think, is the first thing I would provide uh, my clients who come to see me. I'd say that over the years, our options have got much bigger. Um, when I first started treating miscarriage, there was traditional Western options that the NHS had. And then there was our traditional Chinese medicine understanding of how the body worked and what we could do. And now we have this third layer, this private medicine that has come aboard. It's not yet been embraced by the NHS, but, but is there of this reproductive immunology, the idea that the body is in some way perceiving the embryo as a foreign body and getting rid of it before it has a chance to implant properly. And we overlay that with our Chinese medicine knowledge. And the way I particularly work is that I like to understand as much as possible from a Western point of view, all the diagnostics, all the information as in-depth as possible, and I can use that to make my Chinese medicine treatment, my nutritional advice that much better. And so when people come to see me, the first thing I want to do is help them navigate what we can get information-wise from the NHS and bring that back into my treatment room and see what value I can add from there. Sometimes all I'm doing is helping with emotional support. Sometimes it's a very practical thing, like I'm trying to alter hormone levels. and we, we look at blood tests before and after to make sure we're on the right track. Sometimes I'm supporting a more controversial treatment, and therefore I'm not in charge. I'm responding to what's going on. Sometimes I'm supporting through IVF if it's a male factor causing miscarriage. So it's very much an adaptive process depending on what the client needs. Mm. I love the uh, blending of the autoimmunology. Is that what you call the autoimmunology? So we call it reproductive immunology when it okay. comes to autoimmune disease that is making um, staying pregnant a problem. Mm-hmm. And I love how, and I, I guess, is there any um, psychological route to that that you've uncovered as part of the work that you do with women? I don't think that feeling stressed or anxious, feeling upset, having a, a tough time with your partner, I no longer think any of that can cause a miscarriage. I think you have to factor it into how, easy it is to fall pregnant and how easy it is to stay pregnant if you're under that amount of emotional stress. I think that there is a component there, but I don't think it is the causative factor. And I'm always very clear with my clients about that because the first thing a woman does when she has a miscarriage is blame herself. Mm. And I've had women come to me, you know, having stepped in my clinic and the first thing I say is I've had 13 miscarriages. And what we know after 13 miscarriages is they have tried everything. They've tried drinking. They've tried not drinking. They've tried exercising. They've tried not exercising. They've had time in work to take their mind off it. They've taken leave of absence, taken time off work. I don't think that the psychology is a causative but merely a contributive factor. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you're supporting women sort of on the emotional journey of, I mean, you know, 13 miscarriages, I just can't imagine what that must be for that woman, you know, helping women through those kind of experiences. What, how do, how would you go about doing that on an emotional level, first of all? So on an emotional level, we take a really, well, actually, it's a little bit of intertwined of both, because we take, start by taking a really comprehensive history, much more comprehensive than 
than they've probably ever had before where we're not just asking how long is your cycle but actually what does your menstrual blood look like and how do you feel emotionally before, during, after your period. We're going into things in a, a great deal of depth. And so from a Chinese medicine point of view when I'm treating, whatever's going on it's just qi and it's how that qi is manifesting and we can look at it in two ways. So we look at it at a five element point of view where we talk about things in terms of organs, not from a Western point of view, but a Chinese medicine point of view. So if I said, for example, you had heart blood deficiency, there wouldn't be anything wrong with your heart from a Western point of view. But it would indicate to me with a certain level of symptoms that there were issues with how your body's shen, how your spirit was feeling. And the emotion associated with heart is joy or lack of joy. So we look at the qi from an emotional point of view and from a physical point of view. Heart blood deficiency can stop you getting to sleep easily and it can also be that lack of joy in your life. So you pick your points and you choose your herbs and you support a woman on that chi level and from there you deal with both the physical and the emotional. Mm. So you mentioned points and you also mentioned herbs. So just talk to me a little bit more about the, you know, those aspects of traditional Chinese medicine that you do integrate. Are you talking about acupressure points when you talked about points? or uh, No, acupuncture points. Okay. Um, there's definitely a place for acupressure. I usually use it in labor, but from a treatment point of view, I always use my needles. Okay. Uh, and I tailor my herbal formula to the client. So no one client would have the same formula. So those kind of that level of support that you would offer them, is that ongoing for a number of weeks or, how, you know, just so that a woman listening to this can get a bit of a sense of what that might be for her? Well, we all graduate our courses as GPs, effectively. Mm. We're trained to deal with a little bit of everything. But I've chosen to go in along with a couple of colleagues, have chosen to go into a very specialist area. So I wouldn't really know how to treat your back pain, but if you come to me with a miscarriage, you'll know exactly what to do. Mm. So when you see a specialist, their choice of, their understanding of your issues and their their in-depth choice of, of the points they use and how they treat you is, is a completely different thing. So when I'm thinking about treating my client, I'm really understanding all of their issues and I'm choosing from hundreds of points and you know hundreds of herbs to pull together something that's specifically tailored to them for mm. them. Mm. And because I'm a specialist, I wouldn't take anybody on for two weeks or six weeks. The minimum amount of time I need with a client realistically is three, three cycles. It's three is a big thing in fertility. It's three cycles or for men, if you have sperm issues, it's 100 days, it's three months. Um, and that's long enough to mix things up to make a change and then let it settle down at the right point. Mm. And then from there on, you kind of start the clock again with them trying. Mm. So from my point of view, to make a real lasting change that you see the difference in the result, it's a minimum of three cycles that I would treat for. Mm. And I'm just wondering with the role of you know, the role that hormones play in, in the life of a woman and, and as part of the life cycle and her menstrual cycle and, and clearly as part of fertility, what, what, is, what links are you aware of, if any, between hormones or hormonal levels and miscarriage? Is there any, any interplay between those two things? Well, the most simple thing you look for first before you look under any clotting issues, any reproductive immunology issues, anything more complex, you first just check out their hormone levels. Mm. So on day two or three of the cycle, you'd look at FSH, LH and estrogen. And it's something that a lot of GPs don't quite understand. I've discovered over the years that they do basic testing. They do this testing on day two or three, but they're often missing one of those three factors and they need to be all taken together to really get an accurate picture of what's going on in the body. So that's FSH, LH and estrogen all together on day two or three. And then about six or seven days after you've ovulated, you need to check your progesterone level. And I'm not going to talk about any wider issues like polycystic ovaries or endometriosis or any of the other hormone testing that is related to that. Just very basic testing. Mm. Um, 
and the particularly the progesterone one is a really important one for miscarriage because progesterone is responsible for thickening the lining of the endometrium the uterus and it's responsible also for sticking that embryo to the wall of the uterus and if that's if there's not enough of it that's the very first place you check because that's a simple fix mm. and there's two issues around checking hormone levels firstly does the gp understand how to do it so a lot of women with fertility issues have cycles that aren't perfectly regular so they have to understand that just doing it on day 21 isn't a reasonable result because if you have a cycle that isn't a 28 day cycle checking on day 21 is going to be a useless thing mm. so the first thing i do is work with women to look at temperature charts so they can really get a bit more control over their understanding of their own hormonal body know when they're ovulating and then go in and have their progesterone test a week after they've ovulated to make sure they're actually getting an accurate picture of what their progesterone level is at the time in the cycle they need to check it. Mm. And progesterone is a very big spectrum. If it's less than five, it's, there's just nothing happening. If it's between five and 30, there is some progesterone there. It's enough to help you to ovulate usually, but not enough to get you pregnant. And uh, what often GPs are not don't have an understanding of in all cases is the nice guidelines around that that's the government medical guidelines national institute of clinical excellence and so often i'm guiding women to say look go back to your gp your progesterone's under 30 you're a candidate for progesterone supplementation and they give a progesterone pessary called cyclogest and that's enough to do it mm. but equally some women are let's say 33 they've missed the criteria for for exogenous or external supplementation and that's where chinese medicine comes in because i can look at progesterone, I can translate it into Chinese medicine terms, I can treat it, and then we'd retest and expect to see that progesterone level rise. So it's, what I do isn't like massage where you kind of, it feels good, it's important, it plays a role, but it's hard to measure the outcome. This is a very measurable outcome, what I do. Mm. You treat, you retest your hormone levels, and you expect to see a difference. So it sounds to me, I mean, you know, it all sounds quite not scientific but i'm hearing some words here that are making my brain fry that's for sure sorry (laughs) no no that's okay that's okay (laughs) by the time you're done with me you will understand this it's partly i see my job is to empower women to to understand all the things they need and go back and talk to the western medical profession about listen this isn't right i need to do this i'm allowed this i'm i'm expected to do this you need to have this checked it's a because when you're suffering from recurrent miscarriage or fertility problems, it's a really disempowering thing. And mm-hmm. so what I'd like to try and do in my treatment for women is empower them to go back and take a bit more control. Mm. And I think a lot of women that are going through those processes as well also feel completely disempowered because of the experiences that they're having with some of the, the professionals involved as part of maybe the IVF clinic or, or the medical professionals that are coming into contact with. And so they're experiencing that disempowerment on quite a few levels, not yeah. only on the sense of not being able to reproduce successfully in that way. And so, yeah, they're kind of very delicate, I would imagine, for many women going through what they're going through. So in terms of giving them, I know one thing that um, I would imagine some women would appreciate is just a dose of courage and strength, emotional strength to kind of pick themselves up and just go through this again. Is there, what, do you work with them to help them kind of dig, I suppose, dig deep and help them to, you know, to do that? Because some women find that so hard, don't they, to go through this process? Yes, they do. And it's completely understandable. And they're always, there's always a war with miscarriage between the hope and the expectation, and especially if you know you can fall pregnant, the desperate wish to be pregnant again, and then the roller coaster of when you are pregnant, then it hits that you're waiting to see if you're miscarrying. Mm. There's, there's a Yiddish word, you're on spilkers, you're on, you're on tender hooks, yeah. just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. So what I always say to my clients is, is two things. 
The first thing I say is I've never seen somebody not get pregnant. I don't anymore believe there's such a thing as unexplained infertility. There's always a way. It's mm. the way you get there. So it's how you get there we can figure out. But you'll get there. It's a matter of when, not if. And the second thing I say is let's change the variables before you go again. Because mm. if you, as that phrase, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. Yep. You have to change the variables before you go again. Mm. So if I have the time and the space to work with a lady in partnership to change the variables, then inevitably the outcome is different. Now, I'm just, you know, there is that, that fine balance as well between the need to recover emotionally from that miscarriage experience and then you know, once you've kind of, and then feeling ready to start again. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be an, an element of kind of conflict going on there. And I'm just wondering, do you kind of, what would you, there's no right or wrong to this, aren't there's no right or wrong here. And But what would you encourage women to think about or, um, yeah, to, when it comes to kind of balancing that and, and whether how quickly they should maybe dive into sort of trying again and, and managing that conflict they might be going through between wanting to wait and just wanting to be pregnant and have a baby? Women are very practical creatures, much more than men, in fact, I think. Men are very emotional when there's a reproductive issue that's down to them. But women are very practical. And what I look at is the individual. And there are some women who have, for example, come to me who've had a miscarriage that's led to something like Asherman syndrome where there's poor regrowth of the uterine lining or if they've got a history of endometriosis or polycystic ovaries um, or if they have had a, a, a very traumatic miscarriage. And there's a conversation that we have about the amount of healing time the body needs physically, let alone emotionally. And we negotiate really between how long I think I need to make those changes that we talked about to get a different outcome and how long they feel they can wait or want to wait. And some people are really willing to give me that time and some people struggle with it. Mm. But interestingly for me, I've, often the outcome, if I, if, if I can talk to somebody candidly and sort of say to them, look, here's what I think I can do with this amount of time. If they choose to start trying straight away and they have another miscarriage, we often end up back at that place again and then I get the time I need. Mm. So it's just a matter of having that discussion and finding the right balance for myself and the woman because I think what we do as a partnership, finding that right balance for us in order to get the outcome we're both rooting for. It sounds to me like you've kind of, you know, you've blended these two approaches, sort of the Western allopathic kind of approach with traditional Chinese medicine, which sounds like just a lovely blend and the way that they're kind of working off each other. But are you sort of quite unique offering this or can women around the world go and find somebody that does stuff like you do it? So in the States, they have uh, what they call the ABORN, which is the American Board of uh, Oriental Reproductive Medicine. And people have to sit an exam to to have a specialist qualification. And unfortunately, that's not happening here. Um, The issue of specialization within us as acupuncturists is still quite a contentious one. But there are a group of people who have got together and formed the Acupuncture Fertility Network, or AFN. So you can look online for an AFN practitioner. Now, there's no guarantee of level of training, but it does mean that someone's indicated as an interest in a specialization and has done some kind of further training or CPD in that area. There are a couple of us scattered around the UK who do who work like I work, mm. um, but there are other people who are just interested in it, or uh, you know, or are training in it, or read the books in it, but don't necessarily have the breadth of experience that I've got. So it's a matter, I think, of the consumer being educated and aware, and they need to they need to call up and making sure that someone is a member of the British Acupuncture Council because then you get a certain standard of basic level of training, which includes at anatomy, physiology, pathology. 
Um, and then asking the questions of that person, how much experience have you had? Um, how do you treat this? Do you understand the Western medicine? What would you do if this happened? What would you do if that happened? Who are your contacts that you can refer to from a Western point of view if I need to see a doctor privately? Ask the questions. Be an informed, demanding, intelligent consumer and inevitably you'll work through that list and find the right person to, for you. Mm-hmm. I guess for many it's it's knowing what questions to ask and knowing what good looks like. If you don't know what good looks yes. like, it can be really hard to kind of know when you're looking at it Absolutely. and when you found it. Because, you know, I think with the thing with traditional Chinese medicine is that while they're, you know, and I, I've certainly got my understanding is it takes many, many years to really be able to be an artist in that or a very uh, a, a well-versed practitioner. But there are so many sort of fly-by-night types that just kind of, you know, sell herbs and sell a bit of tiger this or whatever it is that you and they can give it all a bad name, you know. And so it's yes. navigating that side of it and also maybe overcoming the trust elements that people might have with traditional Chinese medicine, even though certainly from my perspective, I totally buy into the idea of chi and pressure points. And I work with energy a lot in my work. So you wouldn't need to convince me at all. But I would imagine that some people that are well versed in the in the thoughts of pharma and, and Western medicine that mm. might have to jump through a few hoops to buy into what you're doing on some level. Do you find many challenges from people over that aspect of your work? I used to have more than I do. Mm. Um, when I first started, I said I was often the last port of call and people mm. didn't really understand what I did and came to me because there was nothing else left. Mm. But fortunately, over the years, I've built up enough of a reputation. I don't advertise anymore. All my work is word of mouth. And so often people have already bought in, if you like, before they've mm. even got to my door because they've talked to someone who's had success with me and so they're already in the right place. But firstly, skeptics make the best converts because... Mm. When it when a skeptic understands and something works for them, they're they're much more equipped to be vocal about what does and doesn't work and how they feel about it afterwards. But also that's why I'm at pains to talk to my clients and as we've discussed about let's test your hormone levels, let's treat, let's look again, let's make sure we're doing it right. And you see the temperature charts change and you see the quality of the menstrual cycle change. So it's one of the lovely things is it's not something you take on trust. We set goals, we set mm. real, you know, realistic goals, and we expect to see results. And if you're not objectively seeing the results, then you're not with the right practitioner. Mm. Every month you should be seeing a change for the better. Mm. So for those women that are that do have recurrent miscarriages, how do they? What would be? Um, how, what would you say to them in terms of helping them to navigate? the the options available to them whether that's western or complementary in terms of how they can kind of get out of that cycle that they they find themselves in of, of having a recurrent miscarriage so well, let's talk western first i'm not sure if you're aware but from an nhs point of view there's no testing for the causes of mis- miscarriage unless you've had three uh so firstly you'd support somebody in any way they'd like to be supported from any point they come in to see you you make sure their hormone levels are right you support them emotionally. You make sure the nutrition and their, meta- their metabolism is right because, of course, the hormonal and the metabolic side of things feed into each other. So prior to three miscarriages, from an NHS point of view and from my point of view, just supporting and you're checking to make sure the hormone levels are fine. The, you can do scans to check their, their ovarian volume, their follicle count, their egg quality, um, blood tests for that too. So we just rule out any of the basic level issues in those within those three miscarriages. At the point you've had your third miscarriage, the NHS will test you. Um, If there's any retained product from a miscarriage, if you've had a later one and you can have that tissue analysed and sometimes from a genetic point of view it will tell you something about the the baby or what might have been wrong uh, and that can play into it. 
Um, you can have genetic testing on yourself and your partner. You'll have sperm analysis. You'll check for clotting factors. Um, you'll check for diabetes, for thyroid issues. There's a load of stuff you would check for. If that's all clear, then the NHS is out of options, and that's when the reproductive immunology comes in, and that's only available privately. Now, interestingly, the, the man I refer to, Dr. Shahata, he says come after two miscarriages. Um, and there's a profile that he would apply. So if you're 35 years old and you've had two miscarriages, don't wait till the third before you have this tested. So there's various criteria that I would understand when a client came to me and I'd be saying to them, okay, well, look, here's an option for you. Read this book, inform yourself. Here's a doctor you can be referring to if you are able to afford to go private. Um, and you'd look at things like with them, you'd look at the TH1 and TH2 cytokine ratio. So you'd look at your, your immune system and see how modulated, how well balanced it was. You'd look at natural killer cell level. You'd look at something called the TNH alpha, TNF alpha level. And you'd look to see what your body was doing potentially with that embryo as it was coming in, whether it was perceived as a foreign body or as it should, whether it was embraced. And there's a whole profile that you see with women who have reproductive immunology issues. And you see that coming from the first miscarriage. There are things outside of a miscarriage that would lend me to make that referral so it's really understanding as much western and chinese medicine as i can to help guide them through those various different options now you very helpfully come up with a lovely little flow chart for my listeners about this haven't you um, yes. which is helping them to navigate what you know what you've just talked about um nava has presented this in a lovely little flow chart this is available as a download to go with this episode so just to let the listeners know that that is available and also there's a lovely offer to uh, for some stuff with nava as well on that so i just wanted to mention that as you've gone through that because i would imagine that women listening to this are thinking oh my goodness she's used lots of words and letters that i don't understand trying to scribble <laughs> it all down and what did but she yeah, say again yeah, all on the flow chart yeah and you know the women who come in some of them just choose to come in for an initial consultation they don't actually want treatment what they want me to do is help them plot a uh, responsive and assertive course of action and that's mm. something I'm also happy to do I'm kind of like a fertility guide if you like mm. so if I've used big words and, and it's confusing then it's much more simple when I'm sitting in front of you and I have time to explain it mm. and talk to you about it mm. look at it with you and I'm just wondering a lot of what you've talked about is very uh, UK specific and I'm just wondering how whether or not you're aware of how some of this might change for people let's say in the US or in Australia or in other parts of the world are you familiar with maybe how they would approach this kind of situation? It's a very similar approach. Very similar approach is it? Very similar approach. Reproductive immunology isn't widespread so that's all for as far as I'm aware that's pretty much only available from an insurance point of view in America and effectively private anywhere you go but the same standard sets of tests are done across the board. There are some variations in it I don't know the entirety of it particularly in America I think they check a couple of other things they don't check as standard here mm. um and I haven't I haven't covered everything that that is possible. There's no need for me to do that in this because it's just too technical. But it's along the same lines that what we do as complementary therapists is help navigate, help understand, help support, help change and improve the levels that we're seeing. And we use the Western medical testing to inform what we do and we help the patient understand how to get the best out of the Western testing that they're offered. And I'm just curious, I mean, you mentioned that the psychological reasons really that that really in your based on your experience isn't really linked to the uh, miscarriage in that way. But I'm just curious as to whether when women go through this process with you, whether they do experience some kind of 
um, maybe some aha moments on some level or whether that, you know, whether it does play out spiritually with them or in, in other ways that maybe are a little bit deeper or away from the tests on the paper and mm. the numbers on the charts, you know, whether there's, you know, because there is a, a bigger spiritual thing going on with birth. And I just wonder whether any of that kind of shows its face with the work that you do with the women. Sometimes. I'd say with the time I have with them and the way I work, I would work more on the physical and the metabolic. And yes, we treat the emotional, but I don't have the, the time I would want to have to go into the level of level of it on, a, on as you say, a spiritual level. So I have colleagues who are beautiful, beautiful women who do amazing, empowering work with that. And I usually refer my clients there and we work in partnership. I have a lot of therapists who I've been working with for decades who I trust and who mm. do a wonderful job and who partner me in helping my client mm. analyze and, and, and bring that into the treatment. So I often talk about it with my clients, but I've I'm very aware of the boundaries of my own training and experience and not wanting to go into that, I think, very delicate and very special area that somebody else, that's what they do with their lives. So I sort of see myself working in partnership with them from that point of view. I, look, I do think it is important. I remember I had a patient a couple of months ago um, and had some very difficult family issues. And I know she worked through that with my colleague and felt that that was a really strong factor in her actually being able to fall pregnant and stay pregnant. She's now in month four um, because she could put down that burden she'd been carrying and make mm. space for the baby to come in. Mm. So I don't want you to take away from this that I don't see the importance and the value of it, but I do know the limitations of the time and my own ability. So I would rather partner with someone who can help me and help the client with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, I'm just wondering, we've, you know, there's sort of so much more to this. And, and given that I don't know what I don't know about your work, which sounds incredibly above my head, is there anything, you know, for women listening, because we sort of need to sort of wrap this up soon, that, that you like to share with them that a woman experiencing recurrent miscarriages that you still think that she, you know, that you need to sort of explain or share that I haven't asked you about? Well, a lot of the work over the years on reproductive immunology has led me to think about inflammatory conditions. So you need a, a small inflammatory response to actually get pregnant. But actually in our modern life with the way we eat and the way we work and the chemicals that we imbibe, there's an inflammatory response that goes beyond that. And to, to some extent, it influences every aspect of our life. And this is just beyond miscarriage. I look at inflammatory conditions when I'm doing weight loss programs with my clients or when I'm trying to regularize cycles. And one of the things I would say to women is it's never too early to look at what you're eating and how you're eating. One of the main things that you do for yourself is look at foods from an inflammatory point of view. Look at FODMAP, look at paleo diets, look at what you can do to lower the inflammatory level in your body. If nothing else, it will make you feel a whole hell of a lot better because 60% of the body's neurotransmitters are in the gut. So you fix your what you're putting in your gut, you also fix your emotional uh, health and well-being and you can do that without paying anyone any money. So it's always a really good place to start to get healthy is to look at what's going in your mouth and into your body. And absolutely the whole idea that the gut is the kind of the, the, the heart of your, your health system really. Yes. It's, it really is. And, and um, yeah, and I'm really glad you mentioned that because it's a really useful reminder for people listening. So, well, Nava, thank you very, very much for joining me on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. There's been so much here and it's just so new, certainly to me. I, you know, the blending of traditional Chinese medicine with the more Western approach. I think it's just wonderful and I'm really 
pleased to hear of the work that you're doing. So um, thank you once again. Now, if people want to find out me. more about where they can find you, and the women listening go, I've got to work with this woman. Where is she? Give me her details. Where can they find you online and all that good stuff? So I'm working uh, in Northwest London, and uh, you can find my details on my website, fertilitysupport.co.uk. Okay, fabulous. Well, I'm going to have all the links to that in the show notes to go with today's episode, as well as the download, which is that lovely little flowchart that Nava has produced to help you navigate the treatment options. So thank you once again, Nava, for joining me on the Fear Each Other podcast. Thank you. Well, wasn't Nava fascinating? I absolutely loved speaking to her. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Nava has kindly provided a free download to go with the episode to help you to navigate your choices on the recurrent miscarriage journey. If you want to get hold of this download, then all you need to do is go to the podcast show notes for this episode. And the link for that is fearfreechildbirth forward slash 315, which is the number of this episode. So that's fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 315. And there you will find the podcast show notes for today's episode, as well as the download link. So all you need to do is pop your email in the box and you will receive it straight into your inbox. And then the other thing I just want to remind you of is the Fearless Birth Prep Challenge that's coming very, very soon. So if you're pregnant and you want help in doing all the birth prep, thinking all the decisions through, navigating all that, and basically just having somebody to help you nudge you along that journey because you might be procrastinating on it right now, then that is going to be just for you. So stay tuned for that. Come and join us in the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group. That's where it's all happening. Lots of Facebook lives happening at the moment. And if you want to find out how to join the Fearless, if you want to find out how to join the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook group, then just go to the Fear Free Childbirth Facebook page. And there is a link straight under the header that will take you straight over to the group. So it's super simple, super simple. And I can't wait to see you there. Bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.